You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are listening to Locked On NFL. I am, of course, not Matt Williams, and he is taking some much-deserved time off. I am Peter Bukowski, host of Locked On Packers, and joining me on the show today, the co-host of Locked On Steelers, Tony Serino. And Tony, we haven't been able to do a, a, a crossover Wednesday before, so this is the first time we've been able to do a podcast together. It is my pleasure to be with you. How are you? I'm good, although I got to say, when, when David told us that we were going to be matched up together, I got to say, I'm, I'm still not over Super Bowl 45 just yet, so I was a little... <laughs> Uh, a little, little taken aback to see I was going to have to do with a Packers fan. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Really, two of the cornerstone franchises of the league. When you think about it, we've got the yeah. AFC, NFC. No, no natural rivalry there. So, I think, I think this should be pretty smooth sailing. I, I hope so. Hope so. A little less smooth sailing is what's going on with the penalties lately in the NFL, and. I don't want to dig into the, the minutia of the facts of this case. I think the Tyreek Hill stuff has been litigated and relitigated and unlitigated and then litigated again, and we know he is not getting suspended. That is its own conversation that we could have, right? But then mm-hmm. when Jerron Reed comes out for an, an allegation that seems very nebulous, we have very little information about it, and that's an us problem. That's not an NFL problem, but that is an us problem. And he gets six games. And this just seems like another instance of the NFL having absolutely no consistency. Are they ever going to get this stuff right? I mean, this is, a, this is more evidence that the NFL is, is one of the worst-run organizations, you know, one of the worst-run sports organizations. I mean, this is, this is absurd that, that Jerron Reed gets six games for this. And, and, and you're right to say that, look, we just don't have the details. And maybe the NFL does. And maybe if those things became public and we knew what the NFL knew— that there would be less of an uproar about this. But because we don't know, and we, and as much as we do know about the Tyreek Hill situation and all the text messages and the voice recordings and the fact that you know the, the, the son had his, his arm broken, and I believe that that son is no longer with those parents. So you know we know a lot about that situation. And for there to be nothing done for Tyreek Hill, and then you watch Jerron Reed gets six games. Ezekiel Elliott got, what, four games a year ago? I mean, the NFL is just all over the place with these suspensions, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, and you're, you're right. I mean, they're, they're just, they're never going to get this right. Well, and unfortunately what I find deeply unsettling is the fan bases who go out of their way to defend whatever side benefits their team the most. So it's like, you know, we can bend over backwards to defend Tyree kill. And, and that's really not the point because the NFL suspended Jimmy Smith for making threats and Josh Brown got suspended for making threats. Tyree kill made threats on videotape. The videotape was supposed to matter in the Ray Rice case. They were originally going to do very little, and then they ended up doing a lot when the video came out. Tyreek Hill is on tape threatening a woman he has previously assaulted. Even even if, like, we, we, for whatever other context you want to add, he did, like, we have the proof on tape. We heard it. And we know he pleaded guilty to assaulting this same woman. Whatever else is true about if she said he hit her and, and, and he didn't, there's a police report. I encourage you to go read it because it is it, it paints a gruesome picture of the state that she was in after that. Look, I, I, this doesn't make any sense to me, and I just I don't know where we go from here, Tony. Yeah, it's no, it's a great question because 
you know, the, the Chiefs had pretty much moved on from Tyreek Hill, right? They drafted Mecole Harmon, a player who a lot of people, when they drafted him, said, this is the replacement for Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Everyone expected that Tyreek Hill was looking at, I mean, at, at minimum, what, eight games, ten games, the entire season gone from this league? Um, as it should be, right? I mean, you, you talk about it. You, you've got, what is it, text messages, you need to be afraid of me? I mean, this is stuff, you know, the, the NFL absolutely should be suspending. Well, they've set a precedent in the past that they absolutely will suspend you for this kind of thing. And so I don't know why – I don't know what happened behind closed doors and why they decided not to uh, to suspend Tyreek Hill. But I think they need to be more upfront about this because, you know, it does paint them in a bad light. I mean, you know, you go back to the Ray Rice thing where they weren't going to do anything about that. Then the tape comes out and all of a sudden they reverse course and he's gone, gone from the league, you know, as he should be. But, you know, it, it took the videotape for that to happen. Um yeah, I, I don't know where we go from here. I, I you know, and I don't think it's going to get any better because I don't I don't know that the NFL. Ah, sorry, I mean I don't know that the NFL doesn't care, but yeah, it just feels like the NFL is just you know it's kind of just they're they're throwing it against the wall here when it comes to these suspensions. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, and, and and yeah, but Tony, I don't know what what evidence do we have that they do care? Because what they don't do we... seem to care, and they don't seem to care enough to create a process that makes any sense. You're so right. If you if you if you I had, a, I had a, a morality teacher back in high school, went to Catholic school. And if you'd screw up and you say you, you're sorry, she'd say you're not sorry. If you're sorry, you'd change. If the NFL cared, they would change. They would make it better. They would, they would do something differently. Does anyone think Adam Silver would handle punishment this way? Or faced with the amount of criticism that the league faces on a regular basis would continue to handle things this way? They wouldn't because no. they're competently run organizations like the NFL. What? This was legitimately said. Mike Sando, who we're going to talk we're going to talk about later, his piece in The Athletic. He said, if we had a computer randomly generate punishments, would that make the NFL better or worse? And I, I was like better because they would get it right more often. Yeah. Well, what do you think the reason that the NFL? What do you think the reason the NFL has right? Because you know, they, there's there's someone behind closed doors who's saying, okay, this is we can't suspend Tyreek Hill, and here are the reasons. If you had to guess in, in any way, what do you think the reasons are for this? I mean, you know, the evidence that we have, and given what we've seen in the past about how the NFL acts on this, some sort of suspension felt like it was coming down. Certainly, isn't that the problem that we don't know? I mean, if we if we had transparency in this process, if Roger Goodell. And he would never do this, by the way. Never, ever, ever do this. If he came out and had a press conference and said, this is the suspension or not suspension for Tyreek Hill, and this is why, and then took questions. I mean, he would at least be accountable. And I think if they had to be held accountable, they they would be forced to have a process that makes sense. And it doesn't. And maybe if that was what happened, if Roger Goodell had to march out and be subject to all of the memes that are going to be out there, because you know there are going to be memes, there are always memes, mm-hmm. they, maybe they would decide that they needed a special arbiter. And maybe they needed you know, to, to take this out of their own hands, and they needed to work with the NFLPA and have some sort of arbitration process with this where you get an independent person in every instance and not a, uh, an NFL shill. Someone that the NFL and the NFLPA agreed upon because we have no transparency and that's part of the problem, isn't it? That we just don't know the answer. No one, Roger Goodell will never answer to why Jerron Reed got six games and Tyreek Hill got none. We'll never get that answer. And that, to me at least, 
seems like the big part of the problem here. Do you think this adds any fuel to the fire when it comes to these upcoming negotiations between the NFLPA and the NFL about the, the CBA? I mean, this is a player not getting suspended, right? So in some ways, I guess the NFLPA has to be happy about that. Or or are they because this is so this is so out of left field, the fact that he didn't get suspended? Does this change at but all those Jaron negotiations? Reed gets six games, right? Yeah. I mean, if so, like how, if you're the NFLPA... Are you happy about what happened? Are you happy that there is this inconsistency? I think that that you have to look at the totality of the situation and say, there's no consistency here. And because there's no consistency, it's not about one player getting a fair shake versus another. It's about everyone getting the opportunity to have their case heard and to have punishment meted out in a way that makes like 30% sense. And for, and for the, the league... And the players, I mean, does John Reed know why he got six games and Tyreek Hill got none? No, no he doesn't not. know. So, like, forget us not knowing. I mean, that's its that's its own like whole other quagmire that the NFL has to deal with. The, the players that make up the NFL Players Association don't know what the standards are and, and what the, the punishment is for acting in certain ways. How can you operate in a league where that's the case? Yeah, but the problem is, you know, the fans are going to keep watching, right? The, the NFL and the mm-hmm. NFLPA are going to come to some sort of agreement. And I don't know that transpar- that the NFLPA is ever going to win on the transparency thing and, and or get or removing Roger Goodell from this process, which is something that I think they really wanted back in that last CBA agreement. And so it doesn't yep. feel like anything's ever going to change here. I mean, this is this, you know, this is going to continue happening. They're going to deal out punishments however they see fit, and and there, there's going to be absolutely uh, no transparency to that process, or and no one. Uh, to pay for that process. It, the the fact that it seems this capricious and this just is totally arbitrary is is a blight on the league. And you're right. Uh, until it affects their bottom line, it, they're just not going to do anything because yeah. they don't have the financial incentive to change. No, no, they're there. It, it, yeah, the fans are going to keep watching. We're going to keep doing our podcast. And, and, you know, life in the NFL goes on and and, you know, you could have gone back to the Ray Rice thing. The Ray Rice thing should have changed things, right? Because, you know, that video was out there. People have yep. seen that video. Um, that should have been the wake-up call that the NFL needs. But, you know, like we've seen it in the past with the NFL, right? That How long did it take them to – I know I'm, I'm biased on this, but how long did it take them to fix the catch rule? This goes all the way back to the Calvin Johnson play when everyone said, okay, you got to change this rule. You can't have that not be a touchdown, right? But then it took them so many years later to fix this. This, I think, is a much more serious issue, and yet I, it's, it's going to take them – I don't, I don't know there's, there's anywhere in sight where this is all of a sudden we're going to start getting a better process. Well, and, and to your point, the, the league and the member teams just approved a heinous pass interference review policy. Ugh. And so if, if the league can't, can't get that stuff right, I mean, that's the basic. That is the, that's the game. That's, the, that's yeah. the, the game. We're not talking about practice. <laughs> this is the game. Yeah. And and they can't even get that right. So how can we expect them to get some of this other stuff right? All right. This is something we could talk about all day. We're going to actually talk about football the rest of the show. We're going to talk about Mike Sando's piece, the quarterback tears piece. This is uh, something that he does every year. No one is more plugged in. This is all what the league thinks about the quarterbacks. And we're going to talk about that when we come back. Hey, before Peter and I get to those QB rankings, I want to let you guys know about Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? 
Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online. It's shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So there's no in-person doctor visit. There's no waiting in the pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships directly, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we got a special deal for listeners of Locked On NFL. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code Locked On. You're just going to pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com. B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Use the promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, Tony, let's talk about these these quarterback tiers because this is always going to drive conversation. This is a, a huge offseason talking point because these votes come from people in the league. They come from evaluators. They come from players. They come from coaches. I think it's just front office people and coaches. Uh, yeah. But what, what stood out to you as you went through this list, what was the first thing that that really caught your attention? Well, it's funny that you know this comes out. What is it like a month ago? Twitter was going to buzz with their tier maker rankings, and so we got a lot of people, a lot of opinions mm-hmm. on this on, on Twitter. But yeah, it's interesting to see this from the NFL's perspective, right? To get that kind of inside look at, at what the league feels about their quarterback play. And I'll start right at the top. I was surprised to see Aaron Rodgers number one here. And, and Tom Brady, number two. I mean, Tom Brady is in every – it feels like he's in every Super Bowl. You know, he's uh, he's won, uh, what, the last uh, two out of three or, or three out of four. Um, and this guy is is flawless, basically, when it comes to big-time big, big time moments, winning those games. Uh, I, I like Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. I think he's as talented as anyone in the league. But it's hard for me to put anyone at this point – above Tom Brady, even at 42 years of age. I know you're, you're, you're a Packers guy, so you're going to correct me here, but it just feels like those two right <laughs> off the top were, you know, just flip those around and I think it would be a better list. Well, okay, so before we address this question, when you look at the top five, right, it's Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, Mahomes, and Luck. Yes. Do you have any problem with the top five in some order? I, I don't. Have, I think that's the right five. Well, the Andrew Luck thing is interesting because, you know, this list, they, they talk about injuries a lot in this list, right? And and for Andrew Luck, you know, injuries have played such a big part of his career. Now, look, when he came back from injury, he was fantastic. But I still question whether or not he can stay healthy for a 16-game schedule over the next couple of years. And and in that way, you know, I, I, would, I may put him down a little bit. But I don't really have a big problem with him being at five because I would maybe move him down maybe below – um, below Philip Rivers or, or below Russell Wilson. Um, but other than that, I think the, the top five is good. So here is the, this is the money quote to me. And, uh, you know, in this, in this Rogers Brady debate, and this is, this is a, a defensive coordinator who says Rogers is the only one that can do everything with the least talent. Brady makes tier one decisions, but cannot carry the team in the same way. New England has the system and the running game. Put all the other quarterbacks on that Packers team, and who do you think would succeed? Not many. 
I think that is the, that is the difference when you when you ask defensive coordinators. You know, Bill Belichick used to talk about how it is much easier to defend someone like Peyton Manning than it is someone like Colin Kaepernick because of their ability to extend plays, to play outside script, and and just to do different kinds of things than just just run the team. And I'm not I'm not saying Tom Brady is some sort of game manager. By no means is that the case. I mean, the guy in the fourth quarter is absolutely nails. But what I think is true is Tom Brady for his entire career has benefited from the best infrastructure, maybe in sports, but certainly in the NFL. I think Tom Brady is a tremendous player and obviously has come up clutch over and over and over. But if we're talking about talent and we're talking about individual gravity, that that what one player can do compared to what another player can do, I don't think there is anything that Tom Brady can do that Aaron Rodgers can't do and I think there is a number of things that Aaron Rodgers can do that Tom Brady can't. And, you know, you, if you want to point to wins, that's fine. Uh, compare the defenses. You want to talk about scheme? Okay, compare Mike McCarthy, who does not have a job anymore, to Bill Belichick and all those Super Bowl rings in his pocket. I think that that is, that is what the league recognizes, that, that Aaron Rodgers was in this, this quagmire in, in Green Bay that ultimately ended really badly. But I, but here is here is your rebuttal. I'm waiting for it, and I'll take it now about <laughs> that relationship with the coach because I know yeah. that you're not the only person that sees Aaron Rodgers and and you know maybe some of the the attitude stuff and says, I don't know if that's the guy that I want at the top of this list leading my franchise without question. Yeah, because you know there, I mean, there's another quote right in here, right? It, it was always Ted Thompson or Mike McCarthy's fault, and when it gets to be two people's fault, then you wonder. You see the body language, you realize the heroics uh, come when there's nothing to lose. I just wonder, it, you know, it was always someone else's fault in in Green Bay. It's not Aaron Rodgers' fault, right? It's, and that that kind of bugged me throughout the, throughout the past couple of years because, um, you know, look, I, I think it was Tom Brady who said if Aaron Rodgers played in my system. Right, he would throw for what six thousand? I forget what he said. It was like six thousand yards, something like that. Seven thousand yards. Seven thousand yards. Yes. The, the problem is people act like that system, and there were in, in New England is all hunky dory, and, and it's all sunshine and rainbows, and there's no problems in New England. And yet, over the past couple of years, we have seen that there has been some problems there. Right? I believe it was uh, it was Jim Gray that was interviewing Tom Brady a couple of years back and was asked, "You do you feel appreciated within the organization?" And Brady answered. I plead the fifth on that, right? There are clearly mm-hmm. problems in New England, but they don't come to the yep. surface. And so, you know, I, I get that Brady is in a in a better system than Rodgers, but how much? But isn't better? that because they win? Isn't that because they win? Is it because they? It like is winning because, cures all. Well, I mean, look, we uh, I guess you're right because we we've seen them be quote unquote down, but down for the Patriots is what they lose a couple games in a row and then they're back to 11 and five or 10 and six, a couple games later. But I just, you know, you talk about the, the, the Packers system and, and how, you know, dysfunctional it is. I mean, it's, it's, I agree with you that the Mike McCarthy situation, I mean, I believe there was a report this off season that it got very ugly there, but it's not the Browns, right? It's not the Bengals. I mean, the, the Packers are relatively stable when you look at the 32 teams across the league. Now, is it as stable as in new England? Probably not. Um, but, you know, I, I just worry about Aaron Rodgers and whether or not he's coachable and whether or not he's going to get along with the, the new coach. I believe Matt LaFleur is the new coach. I mean, this is a big mm-hmm. year for Aaron Rodgers because the excuses are, are gone now. It's about, you know, can you actually produce in this system now, a system that you drove a guy out of town and they brought in a guy who, I guess, are they getting along in, in Green Bay? I guess I get mixed reports on that. 
Well, the part of the reason you get mixed reports is because Mike Silver went out of his way to write a piece about, oh, maybe there's some tension here with the audibles and then comes out today and says they're on the same page. And it's sort of like, Mike, you wrote the piece that says they might not be on the same page. And now you're saying they're on the same page. So then what did we what did you write 3000 words for? I just I like Mike Silver a lot, but that was just very confusing to me. I I do want to point out here. All right. That Aaron Rodgers, his uh, his defense in seven playoff losses is giving up an average of 37 points per game. And Tom Brady's defense three times in his whole career has given up that many points. And they had had not given up 30 in a playoff game uh, until the Eagles game. And, and remind me how that Eagles game ended. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, look, we, we, we I, the, the, the QB wins thing to me is so stupid and, and so played out. And it has become a meme on Twitter. And I get it. I'm not going to dispute the, the coachability part because that's part of it that we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've heard about the fractures and we've seen, you're right, we're going to learn a lot about what Aaron Rodgers is as a, um, you know, as a quarterback who can be coached. Can he be coached? That's a, that's a question that you know, I think we're going to learn a lot about Matt LaFleur uh, as well in, as part of all of this. But uh, in terms of, of what we, we can learn from Aaron Rodgers, I think we're going to learn a lot about Aaron Rodgers this season, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this is this is a make or break year. I feel like for Rodgers. Well, the next couple of years are. I mean, you know, I think that they're doing. The Packers are doing a better job of building that defense, like you talked about. I'm, I actually really like Darnell Savage, the, the Packers' first round pick. Um, and I think you know, over the next couple of years, you know, you'll see a better defense there in Green Bay. And then it is going to be about whether or not Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers can get on the same page and get that offense back on track because they could be one of the best teams. They should be one of the best teams in the NFC. I mean, they should be one of the best teams in the NFC. You know, looking right at 2019, but definitely as you look forward from that into 2020, um, I think you know they're they're right there, that top tier in the NFC. All right, I want to talk about some other things that puzzled you and me about this list, mm-hmm. uh, but first we have to take a break. All right, Tony, one one name that stood out I think to both of us was Matt Ryan not being in tier one, and he like low key had a pretty good season last year statistically. But the Falcons were a mess. The defense was ravaged by injuries. It it does seem a little strange that he's not higher. But then when you look at the guys above him, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, and then we got into that top five already, it's sort of like, well, who's who is going to get knocked out of that that tier if if he's in it? Yeah, I mean, okay, there are no Steeler fans listening, right? I think this is locked on NFL. It's not locked on Steelers. So I don't know if there are any Steeler fans <laughs> listening. That's good because what I'm going to say is going to get me in trouble. I might put Matt Ryan above Ben Roethlisberger. Mm. On the, in fact, I think Ben mm-hmm. is Ben is too high on this list. Uh, if I were if I, I were too. if I were doing this list, I might put Ben probably uh, tier one, yes, but lower on tier one, and I would probably put Matt Ryan a little higher. Yeah, um, I, I was think very the only see, I think the only I think the only swap that I would make is those two. At least at yeah. the top, because yeah. I think after that, I mean, I think I think I would move Russell Wilson up one because I think he should be ahead of uh, Ben Roethlisberger. And I would he probably should, move Russ up should. to like I think Russ should be like fifth or sixth at the lowest. I thought I think he's too low on this list. Uh, but then after that, it's sort of like, OK, Carson Wentz, Matt Stafford, who I think is too high. I would have Deshaun Watson over Matt Stafford. I think Jared Goff is probably in the right spot. I mean, I think the rest of this list honestly is pretty good now you had some you had some questions about cam newton versus carson wentz yeah well i don't understand that the the cam newton tier three versus carson wentz tier two right because they the 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 article here points to injuries for both of them right can they can these guys stay healthy 
Um, I don't understand why. If you're, I mean, I understand that Cam Newton spent a lot of last season injured, um, but the beginning of the year, I thought he played relatively well, and that team was on a bit of a streak. Um, I, I would probably put him up in tier two with Carson Wentz. I mean, if we're you know if we're taking uh, the injury thing with it, maybe they both come down to tier three because you just don't know if you can rely on those guys for a, a 16 game season. Um, but I think. You know, we're going to talk, we're going to do, if, if, if injuries are playing a part here, then Carson Wentz, Andrew Luck, right? These guys all need to take maybe a, a tier down because of the fact that these guys just can't stay healthy. Yeah, I, I know that people are not going to get mad about the bottom of these lists, but I felt like Josh Rosen at 32 was disrespectful because I just, like Josh Rosen, I loved him coming out. How can he be behind Josh Allen? I, I mean, j- explain this to me. How can, how can that, how does that make sense? Is it just that he can, he can run? I, <laughs> that's all, pretty much that's all he can do right now. Um, yeah, I don't understand it either. You know, I, I liked Rosen a lot coming out of college. I think I had him as QB one, although I liked Mayfield going to the Browns. I didn't have a problem with that, but, um, well, I have a problem with it. I now had as, Rosen as, QB one as well. Yeah. I mean, I have a problem with Mayfield going to the Browns now as I envision the future of the Browns being a dominant team, in the <laughs> North, but um, that's neither here nor and there. You have to see him twice a year. Yeah, yeah. I know. I may need to find a new hobby, Peter. I may need. I may need to <laughs> get out of this altogether. Ben retires. W- were there any of the quarterbacks over. at the bottom of this list that that you felt like were way too low? Not really. I mean, you can make an argument that Lamar Jackson should be a little higher, but I wouldn't even go there. I mean, I think he's fine in tier four right now. Look, the guy made the playoffs last year, and not only did he make the playoffs, he took over for a team that was struggling and 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 took them to the playoffs. So. You know, does that earn you tier three list? Probably not, because you know it's it's one year and it's not even one, it's not even one full season yet. Um, but then I go back to the top of the list, right? And I go to 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 Patrick Mahomes. Are you okay with Patrick Mahomes being number four in this list? You know, I don't, I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes is a one year wonder, but but we have only seen him do it for one year, and the things he did last year were miraculous. But we haven't seen him do that, you know, for a for anything more than 16 games. I was afraid to bring this up, honestly, uh, because the Patrick Mahomes fans, they're already mad about what I said about Tyreek Hill. But the, the reality is, I think I said Russell Wilson should be five or six. Honestly, I think I would if I were doing the rankings, he'd be four and Mahomes would probably be more in that like six, seven, eight range. And, and you're right. What we saw last year and the quotes in the piece are, you know, he was incredible. Um, there's multiple expletives in here about <laughs> describing how good he was. And I think that speaks for itself. But, you know, when you look at some of the plays, there's there was um, a lot of dropped interceptions. He could actually had a lot more interceptions than he did. I think he's going to have like a 22 interception season in his career because he's aggressive and yeah. he's going to fire the ball in there. Um, you know, it's hard for me to say Russell Wilson, who, you know, in an offense that handcuffs him. And as the defense has steadily declined, all they do is keep winning 10 games. He keeps putting up numbers. He keeps doing it in big moments. Like, I don't know what more we need to see from him. I think he is and in that ultra elite tier in the conversation with Rodgers, Brady, and Breeze. And I'm with you. I just don't, after one season, are we really ready to put Mahomes in that, that lane? I mean, Carson Wentz was after one season. And then look what he did last year. I mean, we've seen these incandescent seasons before these outlier seasons and then all of a sudden you know a couple things change um you know you get a little less healthy or you know you have a a couple bounces that don't go your way and suddenly things look a lot different 
Right, and, and I don't think we're saying that he's going to fall into like a tier three or anything like that, right? I mean, no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, he could just. I, I think it's very easy if if he comes back down to earth, like you talked about the dropped interceptions and all that. If he he could easily come, you know, come down to the bottom of tier one by the end of the 2019 season. And I don't even think. Look, I mean, the, the guy is going to be a great quarterback, and it looks like he's going to have a great career. But you know, after after one season to put him this high on the list uh, above guys who have won Super Bowls, above guys who have have won big playoff games, and that. Uh, I just don't know if I'm ready to put Mahomes there. And then you talk about Wilson. I mean, it's so weird, but, like, Russell Wilson is the most underrated quarterback in the league, and this is a guy who's been to two Super Bowls, who's played uh, in some of the biggest games and played so well at Miraculous. I mean, I don't want to bring up that NFC Championship game, but that's one of the craziest games I've ever seen in my life, and that was a Russell Wilson game, and that was him making crazy play after crazy play. Tony, I was really enjoying this podcast yeah, until, I'm sorry. You, until I you brought up yeah. the 2015 <laughs> NFC Championship game. It's tough stuff. It's tough stuff. Anything else stand out to you from from this piece before we wrap up? I just want to get your take on Ben Roethlisberger, the season that he had in 2018, and and where you would put him. I think you said you would put him in tier two, but he led the league in in uh, in attempts. He led the league in yards, but he also led the league in interceptions. It was kind of a Farvian season in that way, right? Yeah. One of those one of those things where it's just like they put a lot on him. And he he did it sometimes, and he was the reason they won. And then other times, he would make throws, and you would just go, Ben, you, you're too good for that. You are too smart and too experienced, too veteran a player to be making these kinds of mistakes. I mean, it is, it's just, you're, it's head-scratching. And, and I, I go back to the, the Jaguars playoff game, and you're, you're sort of like, Ben, what, what is happening? What is yeah. going on? Yeah. And it does seem to me and, and you know, you you've seen it, you know, probably watched it more closely than I have. But it seems like the arm strength's down a little bit. Yep. It seems like his overall strength is down a little bit. I mean, he used to be uh, a Mack truck back there and just shrugged off tacklers and then could make these ridiculous plays. And he he doesn't do that as much anymore. And, you know, without Antonio Brown this year. Look, I think Juju Smith Schuster is incredible. I thought he should have been you know, like a top 25 pick coming out of college. I, I could not understand why teams didn't want a guy who walked into the Pac-12 at 17 and dominated, but they didn't, and and the Steelers are the beneficiary of it. I am concerned that he just reached a point where he's just never going to be that guy anymore, and I have the same concern about Drew Brees given the way that he looked the last month of the season. Those splits are startling. I don't know if you've seen those, but he really fell off a cliff the last month, six weeks. Drew Brees did. So with these older quarterbacks, I think we always have to be concerned that there's a chance that they fall off a cliff because Peyton Manning was the MVP of the league. I think it was two years before he was like the statistically the worst quarterback in the league. Yeah. Maybe it was three years, but still like this, this decline happens in a hurry. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And the, the gut punch for me in reading this article when it came to the Ben Roethlisberger section was uh, the quote that says, they have to have a run game. He's a winner and he can throw the ball and is great for them. But I just don't know if you fear him every week because he doesn't read coverages like the rest of them. 
Um, and that, that is the absolute truth. I've said this for the past couple years. The Steelers' offense was the best when it ran through Le'Veon Bell. And even back in 2018, it was, it was the best when it ran through James Conner. And when James Conner was a focal point, he was running through teams and looked like he could be a, easily Le'Veon Bell's replacement. Those were when the, the 2018 Steelers were playing at their best. When they were out there and it was all Ben Roethlisberger, all on his shoulders, I mean, he does not read coverages like the rest of them. And, and you talked about it. Those throws where you just go, Ben, what are you looking at out there? Um, that's the concerning part. And those those interceptions that he threw, those were, the, I mean, his league average, he, he was average for the number of interceptions per attempt. Um, it wasn't, you know, this was not an aberration in his career. This is who Ben Roethlisberger is. This is who Ben Roethlisberger has been. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I would probably put him closer to tier two on this list. Well, uh, I think that is an appropriate place for us to to put this all to bed um, Matt is, is going to be back eventually, um, but uh, that is going to be it for us. I am Peter Bukowski. I host Locked on Packers. He is Tony Serino. He hosts Locked on Steelers. You can follow him on Twitter at Steeler Country. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Until next time, make sure you are staying locked on NFL.